you're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host, Gemma, and today we are joined by the two co-chairs of the all-party parliamentary group for Left Behind Neighbourhoods. They are Dame Diana Johnson, the MP for Kingston-upon-Hull, and Paul Howell, the MP for Sedgefield. I've also got my colleague and co-host Stephen Smith with us as well. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm very good, thank you, Gemma. Now this is uh, an issue and a wide topic that we care about a great deal at Transport for the North and of course affects people right across our region. Anybody who's read our strategic transport plan will know that a real focus of that was looking at new opportunities and better quality of life for people in the North and how transport can enable and support that. So it's really good to be kept up to date with the key issues as we're looking to work on refreshing our uh, strategic transport plan and get the latest from people such as all those involved in the uh, in the Left Behind Neighbourhoods APPG on what the latest research and insight is. So following a recent call for evidence, of course, we're also looking at work onto social uh, transport related social exclusion in the north. So again, as well, this all feeds into this wider issue um, of the importance of uh, connectivity. And that's not just transport, but that's just uh, that's with air technology and social mobility uh, as well. So let me start today by asking our guests to introduce yourselves. So welcome, Paul. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and also about the APPG. Okay, no, no, thanks, Gemma. Um, I'm Paul Howell, as you said, I'm the Member of Parliament for Sedgefield. Um, Sedgefield as a constituency um, has its own um, divides in terms of, you know, where people are at. You know, we have, um, you know, there's some rural wards around Darlington, which is all about, you know, getting probably more about getting buses into Darlington and that sort of uh, transport connectivity. Then if you head further north, I'm going into um, the places like Trimden, Fishburn, Wheatley Hill, etc., which are more about you know old mining villages, and it's about getting any sort of transport connection to get them back connected to uh, two places. And that's where we'll discuss probably rail a little bit more as this uh, as this goes on. Um, and then the biggest town I've got is a town called Newton Aycliffe, which has a huge industrial estate. And it's then about what the connections are of people actually being able to get to those jobs. So that that that's the space. I mean, me me personally, Gemma. I mean, obviously, I was elected um, in, Dece- in the December nineteen intake, taking a seat that's been Labour for forever, basically. Um, a certain prime minister had the seat before, as you're probably aware. Um, but you know, it's and, and and for me, I spent my life probably best part of forty years working in manufacturing industry, and it's only in since I stopped that in twenty sixteen that I've really got involved in politics to the depth that I am now, um, and. Uh, here we are. Uh, you know, the local trust came to us with this this concept of you know, wanting to get um, you know a, a voice for the communities that you know, they call left behind. And we 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 talked for a little while about it. left behind. It doesn't feel like the right thing to call anybody. You know, and is it a good term? Is it not? Um, but we haven't found a better one. And actually, if you talk to some of these communities, they 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 get it as well. They understand what is meant by the term. So we've stuck with it for now. It's, it's, you know, there, are, there are people that have questioned the term, but um, I think everybody understands what we mean by it in, 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 in so many different levels. It's about, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's about levelling up. What, what does levelling up mean? You know, um, you know, you don't quite know 
but you understand the concept as, as, as to where it is. So that's really where uh, where it came from. I was like, you know, the because I've got some of those communities in my patch that came out of the um, the initial report that uh, that had been produced. Um, it was, you know, just an open door for me to walk through and to uh, to participate, and I've been uh, delighted to be involved ever since. Fantastic! Uh, welcome to you, Dame Diana Johnson. Hello, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me along. It's our pleasure to have you. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your work as an MP, and and your role in the activities of the APPG. Okay, well, I've been a Member of Parliament now for 16 years, actually. I was elected in 2005. Um, and I've always been really interested in uh, the fact that Hull, as a city, um, hasn't had perhaps the investment and the resources that I really think it deserves to have. Um, and we're going to discuss some of that around transport particularly. So when the opportunity arose uh, to co-chair this group in Parliament, I, I, I jumped at it, to be honest. And it's a group, it's called an all-parliamentary uh, parliamentary group um, and it's it's got members of the House of Lords and members of the House of Commons from all the different parties represented in Parliament and it's really an opportunity to give a voice to those areas that really feel left behind and um, we're committed really not just to talk about it but to come up with some very practical policy solutions that help to build community confidence and capacity and actually then deliver um, improvements for, for local residents and it's interesting to note that the local trust <clears throat> define left behind neighborhoods as places that rank highly on the indices of multiple deprivation and lack social infrastructure so it's um it's concentrating on those particular areas um, in Hull uh, I have areas that uh, are doing okay actually but I have areas uh, wards where we would fit very well into this idea of a left behind neighbourhoods. And those are the areas that as members of parliament, members of the House of Lords, we want to really focus down into and see what more we need to do on that um, left behind agenda, which obviously the Conservative government are, are very uh, keen to push and they've talked about levelling up. Well, this is about levelling up in those areas that are even more left behind. The recent report by the APPG was entitled Connecting Communities, Improving Transport to Get Left Behind Neighbourhoods Back on Track. That was released uh, very recently, just in March 2021. Tell us all about that, Paul. How did it come into being? What was the aims of it and, and, and what happens next with it? Well, it's like so many of these things when you get when you've got an APPG running, there's different reports that you do and you, you you dive into different areas that seem appropriate to try and find out what 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 is the the real issue and um you know this particular one about um you know getting into uh you know the, the whole you know transport position i mean we started off the very first one we did was the impact of covid and you know which, which on one level seemed a bit strange because you know, we were formed before COVID. I'm obviously very much a Northern uh, MP, Di Diana is as well, but you know, we're as much in, you know, concerned about some of the coastal communities in Kent as we are about the, the, the communities in the North that have been left behind because of um, changes in job demographics for the sake of argument. You know, it's, it's different things that have affected different places, but you know, it's 
the particular one about you know connecting these communities is, is we've, you've said it's it, it, it's infrastructure sorry it's digital infrastructure as well as, as well as physical infrastructure as well as community infrastructure you know, there's the three uh, different strands all of all of which are important and just getting a, a, a dig into them to find out what's there and it's it's also so important that and it'd be so like so many things that you guys look at on any aspect of transport it's not just what the data tells you it's what's actually behind that data situation. That, that's something that um, Stephen and I talk about a lot on this podcast and the, the importance and the, 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 uh, the need for bodies like Transport for the North is it brings that experience and that insight to life. You know, we're able to see and understand and, and live what's happening on the ground. And we, you know, we know the uh the may timetable issues that we had a couple of years ago because we were all stuck on the platforms you know we know the congestion on the roads because uh we're stuck in that as well so yeah that's so important Dame diana johnson so our first evidence session that we took in 2021 looked specifically at connectivity and it was trying to explore how the disconnection of many left behind neighbourhoods impacts particularly on the lives and opportunities of local residents. So we, we as a group, we wanted to, uh, to work together to ensure that the areas that feature in the report that we then um, wrote receive their fair share of investment so they have those um, those assets and they and the better physical and digital connectivity um, and the and, and to really engage with the local community so they have a strong voice when they're uh, putting forward the case for uh, more resources around connectivity and of, of course we, we're really fortunate in the APPG because we have the um, help and the research and analysis of uh, the Oxford Consultants for Social Inclusion who are called um, OSCE and obviously the campaign for better transport so the report was I think very well uh, researched and focused and targeted on what we can really do and what the current state of affairs are for these um, communities. And we know that boosting connectivity, um, both physical and digital, and improving access to, to public services and employment opportunities are key to making sure that these left behind communities can uh, go forward positively and the outcomes for residents can be positive. And so issues like investing in rail services or bus services, looking at what's very um, become very fashionable now because of what happened during covid the the wanting to get people much more um into uh walking and cycling and and you know using those kind of ways of of getting about Th those were the issues that we were looking at and that's where we really wanted to 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 focus um for these particular communities it's really interesting and you you mentioned that when this report talks about connectivity it's not only transport it's that digital connectivity as well and and also these things touch on every aspect of our lives because uh, at the moment with so many people working from home then we need that 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 broadband infrastructure of course mm -hmm. and when we're starting to get out and about a bit more again you know we don't just take the trains or the bus or jump in the car or cycle to go to work it's to get to school to college to university to access a new job for our leisure 
activities, you know, simply visiting families and friends. So this really does touch on every area of people's day to day lives. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I think um, remembering that, for example, you know, being able to, if you need health care, being able to get to your local A&E or your local um, uh, hospital, if you live in one of these communities that we're concerned about, often it's more difficult to access health care. And what we also know is that these areas also suffer from um, health inequalities. So you're absolutely right. Transport, and being able to move around is is so important to every aspect of um, our community's life, education, health, job opportunities and much more. So so it is vital. And of course, the digital divide. I mean, we know through the COVID pandemic that being able to access, um, you know, a a computer, um, a tablet has been so important for particularly for children and students trying to keep up with their education and and we know as well that in these communities there are real issues about um, access to digital equipment and to the internet and so that's another area where we are very concerned to make sure that these communities have a strong voice in making the case for I guess in my view uh, what I what I would like is a universal um, uh, offer to everybody and we see the app, the opportunity to access digital, just as we see the opportunity for everyone to have a telephone. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I think it's that sense now that it's it's a fundamental part of our infrastructure as a community. And these communities, currently, there are um, challenges that have to be met. But the physical transport is obviously, uh, you know, the thing you can see and relate to. And I think for most people, when as an as a constituency MP, the complaints and the concerns I get are very often from these communities about bus services, uh, about bus services being cut over the last few years, and um, that that kind of access then out of your community through bus networks is something that we're very conscious is an important part of the fabric of that local area. In, in terms of the, the Connecting Communities report, what were its key findings? It, it, it really is about picking up the different pieces of, 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 of these measures. Uh, I think it's probably best to look at them as different in different pieces. So if, if maybe if we have a conversation around rail, then around bus, and then around um, like if you like broadband type type mm. things. Um, and it's always easier for me to relate to things in my part of the patch. So if you excuse me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, so if you know if I was looking at connectivity of these towns and villages, as I've said, I've got some a number of mining villages. The obvious one for me is Furry Hill. I've got Bishop Midlam next to it. That stretches out to Sedgefield and close to the Trimdens. But at Furry Hill, there's a railway station that was closed in the beaching cuts. Um, and what you've got in at Furry Hill is um, the East Coast Main Line goes through there, but it also joins with a connection which is called the Stillington Spur, which is a freight line that goes out to Teesside. Well, you know, anybody in our part of the world that listens to what's happening in the news at all will know that Ben Houch and the Tees Valley Mayor is creating loads of jobs down on Teesside. So if we open Furry Hill Station, that train line tootles all the way down to where those jobs are. That's got to be good for those communities. Yeah. Um, if you take a bigger picture on, on, on rail investment and things, Furry Hill is at the bottom of what's called the Leamside line. Mm-hmm. Now, 
which is the, the northern route. So I would, you know, if, if we take the lame side and put it in, that's a much bigger project because there's no lines there. The lines have been lifted. There's no stations there. No, you know, it's a much, much bigger, longer term issue. But it's a fundamental one if we're going to have proper transport on rail in the northeast. It has to be delivered. It has to connect into um, the bottom end of the metro and all of that side of things for that. But it's also about taking freight off the main east coast main line. It's about creating capacity, therefore, for better trains on the east coast main line as a result of putting the capacity games in. You know, I've seen you know some of the transport for the north reports. You know, where you're talking about you know tra some travel distance that are, are dropping quite significantly in terms of time, and sometimes you're seeing more time drop off a you know a, I don't know a Leeds to Sheffield route than HS2 is talking about of taking off Birmingham to London. You know which just shows the dramatic need that at these local levels of, of connection that, that's there. So from rail, it's about putting some proper infrastructure, it's about putting the pieces back. But clearly, if you then go into buses, it's about the buses connecting with the trains, with everything else and putting it, it's about an integrated plan. But th those are the, 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 the critical sort of things that, that, that come out of it for me. Yeah, fantastic. A really good insight there into, um, into the work of the APPG, what we sort of, you know, mean by left behind, the challenges that they face. And it's really great to hear you talk about um, that integrated network. You know, it's all very well if we have uh, a fantastic rail service, but if people are unable to get to it because the buses don't turn up when they need to, then um, it's never going to work. And a super uh, interesting example on the... Um, on the broadband there as well. Uh, Stephen, I'm just going to jump to you really quickly, just for your insight on that Connecting Communities uh, report and how that aligns to Transport for the North's work. Yes, I think I think obviously it fits in. I think Paul hit, was, was kind of on the point there, which is the same kind of ethos that we approach it with in terms of, you know, there are certain challenges that you're going to face when you're trying to get the infrastructure investment that you need. And I think in the north in particular we always struggle because the you know the system has been focused on a one way of appraising transport schemes and looking at investments in particular for, for, for decades so if you're trying to articulate why things should be done differently you need to do a lot of the evidence so you know you mentioned the data analytics stuff that we're doing we're doing a lot of that transport for the north like i mentioned earlier about looking at social exclusion we're doing it from the economic side as well so look at the economic benefits of investing in the area making sure that they feed into the wider benefits of the business cases that we, we put in so i think as that and as as that hopefully should kind of snowball over the over the coming years so it fits in like say with the leveling up agenda with the building back better if we can articulate those case and make sure that some of the smaller schemes can get over the line easy so it's not just a huge big slog every time they need something that you know, a scheme that probably should be going there anyway. If we can get back, get to the point where much of the, the schemes don't, you know, they don't need that huge push to get over the line. They should automatically be hitting those business cases and getting that investment straight away rather than having to have the huge, huge campaigns linked to each one. So I think understanding that, sorry, Jim. No, I, I was just going to jump in. That, that That's about that sort of pipeline mm. idea, isn't it? That we know the projects and the schemes and the improvements that we need, we have them set out in that um in in that way that we know which ones can and should come within the next couple of years we know which ones we're working to over 20 or 30 years and then we get that sustained investment it, to yeah. keep ticking them off the next one move to the next one with the next one it's that strategic plan it's that 
whole picture. It's multimodal. And if anybody listens to this uh, podcast series and, and, and ticks all of these uh, these buzzwords off as we say them, then uh, UPenn will probably have run out of ink by now. Yeah, so just, 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 just coming into in on that, Gemma, I mean, in, in terms of you know what what Stephen said. You know, it's about getting project in the right way. So you know, the changes to the green book are, are fundamental. Um, I think I, I don't know whether it's 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 picked up, but for me, um, this whole concept of Treasury North or the Northern Economic Campus, whatever you want to call it, is just as fundamental. Um, you know, yes, it helps obviously in terms of the quality of jobs being put into Darlington and et cetera, et cetera, and the cascade out for those jobs, but surely it's got to help as well in the sense that you're taking policymakers and you're putting them into a town. Well, if you've got policymakers sat in a town trying to catch a bus to the next town, they might just try to understand what changes are needed to help transport in that context. Um, I, I was absolutely delighted yeah, because I live in Darlington, so I'm, I'm obviously <laughs> delighted to see all of that stuff coming towards I me. Mean, my Sedgefield constituency literally wraps around Darlington. I've got a, like a claw hold on it so to speak but therefore you've got um these people coming to a town if it wasn't darlington and it was another town i wouldn't be as happy but as long as it wasn't going and being put into a manchester or newcastle or a, you know a birmingham or somewhere like that where all the policymakers would do is see a replication of urban transport mm-hmm. you know so i do think it's important to get people outside of the cities working in our space so that they can have a you know a, a real grasp of what matters to people that don't live in the cities yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely again it, 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 it's that lived experience isn't it it's that getting up in the morning and thinking if i miss that bus i've not got one for an hour you mm. know it's actually understanding that um in real life that's so important and yeah i, th- I think you're right there was a lot of really positive reaction to those um, announcements a few weeks ago, particularly around um, uh, people moving to uh, moving to Darlington. So, yeah, really look forward to seeing uh, how that plays out. And as you say, in line with uh, with things like changes to the uh, Green Book appraisal method will, uh, yeah, will hopefully aid the uh, the wider levelling up agenda. Diana, you've already mentioned your um, your area of Hull and some of the uh, challenges and, and opportunities there. Tell us a little bit more as a Northern MP looking at left behind neighbourhoods, typical characteristic, characteristics, excuse me, um, and how you know different factors are holding back these areas. Well, if I um, if I talk about a couple of the areas in my constituency which are classified as left behind communities under the um, indices, the multiple deprivation indices, they're areas um, that tend to uh, be not in the city centre. Actually, my my mine are, are sort of dotted around the edge of Hull. Um, they tend to have, if you look at it, poor, poorer educational outcomes. They tend to have um, higher levels of health inequalities. They tend to, as we've just been discussing, not to be as connected into um, transport links as other areas. Um, and they tend to have, um, they tend not to have a strong um community sense of a, a strong voice for that area now that's that, that those are broad generalizations they also 
one of the things I, I was struck with when I became an MP actually in, in um, 2005 was that I, I realised that Hull and certain parts of Hull had some of the lowest car ownership in the country. And that's still the case in these left behind areas in my patch. So there's a ward called Orchard Park, which has um, low um, car ownership still. It's in the, I think it's in the top 20 um areas of the country that are not well connected and then just generally as a city because of our ge geography we are at the end of the the line or the start of the the line as some people would prefer us to say you know we, you don't go through Hull to go to anywhere else you have to be going to Hull so you know our connectivity in terms of the north um, if you get a train from Hull uh, and go across the Pennines, it takes a long time, to be honest. It could be much quicker. And of course, one of the campaigns I've been running for years is around making sure that we get the electrification of the line and that Northern Powerhouse line or whatever it's going to be called. But in terms of, you know, we've got that train line, our bus services are not great. And for these particular areas in Hull, you know, we've seen a reduction in bus services over the last few years because of cuts to um, local authorities. So that's that's been another issue. Uh, so car ownership, lack of bus services and uh, Orchard Park and Brandsholm, which I'm thinking of in my patch, they are quite a long way from our main station, our train station in the centre of Hull. So they don't ha easily have access to um, rail, rail services. So those are kind of areas which are lacking in the kind of basic infrastructure um, they need that connectivity to be built in to allow people then to be able to access as we've been discussing job opportunities health or health uh, requirements educational requirements so there, there's always been a bit of a feeling in those areas they're a bit tucked away it's a bit more difficult to get into the city center you might have to take one or two buses so that that's the kind of flavour of those areas. But I also ought to say that, you know, in those areas as well, I think there's a huge untapped resource in terms of people who, you know, are incredibly uh, resilient and talented. And it's about unleashing that really through giving the people the opportunities um, that we're, we're talking about today. So, um, now, as you uh, will know, and as our listeners will know, our recent podcast series has been all about levelling up and five ways to level up the North, which we've been asking each of our guests to set out for us. So my priority, I, I, well, I, I happen to think that um, connectivity is actually the big issue um, in the North. And because we know that, you know, we in the North, we are not... Um, we are not as productive as other parts of the country. And part of that is down to connectivity and the lack of infrastructure um, across the north. And I just think people in the north are desperate to play their part in the recovery after COVID. You know, we want to get the economy back up and running. We want to make sure that, you know, we are world leaders in various industries. In, in Hull, you know, we, we've got a real focus on offshore wind and we have Siemens building wind turbines and we've got the University of Hull being, you know, right at the forefront of um, all the measures around decarbonisation and, and um, renewable energy. So, you know, uh, we're passionate in the north about delivering for the country but the way we do that really has to be through proper investment 
in the infrastructure of the north and that's the the east-west corridor so you know it seems to me bizarre that from Liverpool to Hull we do not have that connectivity that we need in terms of rail for example I was just describing how we need to have that electrification of the line and we need to um, to look at how best we can connect all the bits are going across that bit of the north so for me leveling up has to deal with that connectivity and we have to be able to say at the end of this that you know our GDP has increased because of productivity increasing in the north that's what I'm looking for and so I uh, you know I've pressed the Prime Minister a few times actually about uh, for example I said to him once what, what was his what, what was his preference? Was it connecting up the north, having the the east-west um, electrification of the rail line, or was it Crossrail 2 for London? And he looked at me and he said, well, oh, that's like asking a lion, a lioness to choose between her cubs. But actually, what I wanted him to say is that, you know, we've got Crossrail 1 in London and we've spent a lot of money on that. And of course, it's the capital city. And of course, you want to be properly connected in, in London. But the north now has to be the country's priority post-COVID. This is where the money and the resources need to be spent. And a few months ago, just to, to pick up on that, take that thought a bit further. A few months ago, we had the um, the review of the Green Book appraisal process and looking at moving away from that traditional um, sort of return on investment uh, BCR, isn't it? Benefit, co benefit to cost ratio, because everything has to have a, a three or four letter acronym, as we know. Um, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think that's actually really going to make a, make a tangible difference? Well, I hope so. And I think that's that's been part of the problem for the last few decades, that money has been invested in areas, um, mainly London and the South East, that are currently overheating. And you know, you know, all the problems with the South East at the moment and London in terms of house prices, um, you know, when we get back to some form of normality, we know that transport's a real issue and you see people crowding on commuter trains. All of that is not good for our country in in the sense that you know if you uh, if you continue to invest in those overheated areas you are just not going to solve the fundamental problem which is the midlands and the north uh, need to have that investment so they too can punch above their weight in terms of uh, you know increasing the gdp of the country so i welcome the fact the government are now looking at different ways of modeling where investment can be put in and looking at what the returns are um, it, it also, I guess, fits with with my idea that we need a much more devolved structure, you know, in, in England. We've obviously got Wales and, and um, Scotland and Northern Ireland. But for England at the moment, it, the problem still feels like Whitehall is, is calling all the shots. And that's why organisations like Transport for the North are so important in having that strong voice and that real lobbying presence. Although I would like them, obviously, to have more actual powers to deliver on what the North really needs. And, and um, talking about sort of devolution, bringing more power, more money North, the uh, Metro mayors fit into that conversation as well. And of course, we've now got a, a West Yorkshire mayor, Tracy Braben, uh, elected just in the last week or two. So hopefully, again, that's going to drive that 
agenda forward, speaking out for the North, showcasing what we need, what our opportunities are, what we have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think there is a really interesting political development, actually, across the North, because if you go across from Liverpool all the way across, you know, you've got strong uh, uh, metro mayors with Steve Rotherham and then Andy Burnham, of course, who's been described as the King of the North for his uh, advocacy for the North. And then you've got Dan Jarvis in, in South Yorkshire and you've got um, Tracy just elected in the last few weeks. And, I, you know, I, I just think that is such a powerful um, potential there for really making the case for investing in the north. I, I guess as a Hull MP, you know, we're in East Yorkshire and at the moment we don't have a devolution deal and there's a big conversation going on about what that should look like. And I think one of the issues for me about devolution is it's actually about what what will deliver for local people. What do local people want in terms of devolution? And I have a strong suspicion if you talk to local people in Hull and the East Riding, they would, would want to see devolution around transport and connectivity. That's one of the areas that we feel, a lot of my constituents feel, we need to make decisions. We need to have the power to do that locally. And so we are still waiting in East Yorkshire to be part of that um joined up approach across the the north in terms of uh, having strong voices and obviously we, we're waiting to see what happens with our devolution deal but I'm really pleased that we've got you know in Yorkshire we've got Dan and Tracy banging the drum for our part of the world. Absolutely and um, Stephen we could probably do an entire series of separate podcasts specifically on uh, devolution and then probably another one all about transport appraisal and, and, and policy making um, in, 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 in much uh, much fewer words do you want to sum up your thinking or um, sort of latest uh, latest developments in in either or both of those areas? Um, no, I mean, I, th I think I think it's something that has been going on a long time. I mean, I think obviously people pick up on the Northern powerhouse aspect, but of course it was a whole resident. It was John Prescott started with the Northern Way, you mm. know, in, mm. in the 2000s. So I think this is something that is very much a cross-party approach. I think I think obviously there are different aspects of it when we come along. But I think if you look at the membership of our board, the unanimously signed off a strategic transport plan, they've unanimously agreed Northern powerhouse well. So I think it's about keeping everybody on that same page. And I think anchoring on, the outcome of it, which I think the key that seems to come for me from this conversation is that about opportunities. So whether you look at the absolute local level about, you know, getting to the part of town, being able to utilise that to travel, catch a bus, catch a train, that's important. But so equally is the opportunity about being able to take a job, uh, you know, live in Sheffield and take a job in Hull, for example, by having that journey short. So I think it all connects in together. And I think that seems to be the, the main drive. And I think it's about how you deliver that how best do you deliver that and I think obviously our board are quite keen that you know they think that they've got the local knowledge and the understanding to piece that complicated patch together not just from a transport perspective but like I say linking in with the other aspects as well so whether that be health or you know access to hospitals all of that stuff put together um, is what it's all about um, and delivering you know delivering it so that it makes sense and you don't end up spending a lot of money on something that could essentially be wasted. So I think, so I think that's that's to me seems to be. If I was to try and wrap it up, <laughs> it seems to be about it's about that 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 opportunity and making sure that we deliver what we want. Paul, this is your turn to uh, to tell us from your Sedgefield perspective, from your Left Behind Neighbourhoods APPG perspective, your five priorities for levelling up the north. This is your pitch. 
I think, you know, th- th- there's so many ways you can talk about levelling up. You know, so before I go into the five points, you know, I mean, it, 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 different, it will mean different things to different people. You know, it's everything from just the, the, the safety that exists in their community through to, um, you know, in this particular context, we normally talk in transport, so about, about the ability to get around. Um, so, so in the, the, the areas of, that I would want the five priorities to sit in, it's about more jobs. It, it's got to be about more jobs and better quality jobs um, that's, that's there. And, you know, again, local context, the work that's going on in the Tees Valley, with the, the, the whole Freeport agenda, plus things, plus the, this economic campus is a great step in the direction there. But that's fine for me. What about the rest of people around the country? You know, we've got, it's got to be a balanced thing, this as well. You know, I've got to try and look at a little bit further than there, but it, that's a great position for Sedgefield as to where it is. But as a result of the sort of jobs that you're talking about there, is there a need for a different type of education? You know, I personally am a, a great fan of university technical colleges. You know, I think that um, there is a huge cohort of people who want to be that bit more practical. We need more engineers. We need more of those sort of um, young people going into those directions. Um, so I'd like to see more investment into that type of education as well. Um, you know, I've got a fabulous university just next door. It's not quite in my constituency, but Durham University is just over the border. Um, so on one side, you know, there's a there's a and, and Teesside as well, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a number around. So there's things there, but it's getting people to the stage where they can go there and where they can do that, that sort of thing. Clearly, as infrastructure is what we've just been talking about, transport in particular, getting people to there, that's got to improve. Because the whole thing is about uh, what we've touched on earlier in terms of community capacity. It's about each community having the capacity to deliver what it wants to for its its people. And whether that's... A, um, you know, an ex-mining village that just needs some more community centres, or whether it's you know a whole new train line. It's it's about capacity that puts things in. Some of them are very little spend with very high focus. Some of them, you know, I mean, putting the lame side line back in is a serious amount of money. You know, we know these things. Um, but the bottom line, the thing that overwraps overwraps it all, really, it's just about what um, what the Prime Minister called equalisation of opportunity when, uh, when, when in the whole campaign thing. Um, I think that equalisation of opportunity can be something that drives aspiration. And if you've got people, I, I, the best part of my job is when I go to primary schools and I can talk to kids about aspiration. One of the first things I did, um, just the way it went, it wasn't planned this way, but one of the first visits I did after being elected as an MP was to go back to, a, to what was then my primary school, you know, which is in Furry Hill, which is one of the old mining villages, and talk to the kids there who find it difficult to get to jobs, difficult to envisage where they're at, and say, I sat in your desk. Mm-hmm. You know, so look up, look at different things. There's, there are different things you can do. And, and that, to me, is what levelling up is all about. It's about giving people wherever in the country you are in whatever your background is whatever your ethnicity is whatever 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 if you've got equal equalization of opportunity then all of these other pieces whether it be talking about jobs education infrastructure they're the tools to provide that one thing and if we all feel as though we've got equal opportunity and the like then we're all in a better place and we all talk about education when we talk about um you know the the job side of things but the other side of, um, of of transport, of course, is the the nice bits of life. You know, actually going to 
the seaside or going to a football match or going to, you know, whatever it is that floats your boat, you know, whether it's a, a theater, a cinema, whatever, you know, if, if you look at some of these, you know, the left behind communities or the, 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 the villages that are just that little bit stuck out, they typically have low car ownership, but they typically have the highest need to use a car to get a job or to get to culture or have a night out or et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the, the whole, you know, public transport position is, is just so fundamental. One of the big things that we're still waiting on is the integrated rail plan. So I just wanted to finish off by thinking a little bit about the larger regional programmes, their potential to um, to support left behind neighbourhoods and, and, and the area um, that, that you represent in particular, Diana of Hull. Yes, well, as I said, the, the areas in my patch that um, I would describe as left behind neighbourhoods, they, they don't have access currently to uh, rail. So, it, but if we're talking about regional uh, and sub-regional um, developments, then certainly talk to most people in Hull. If they, if, if they want to go across to Leeds, if they want to apply for a job in Leeds, you know, if they want to um, go out for an evening, go to the theatre or whatever, the current rail um, system isn't great. And um, I think, you know, the the plans around Northern Powerhouse Rail to electrify the line, you know, will be a huge improvement in terms of that connectivity for our city and for the people who live in the city. So I, I am 100% behind this. And in the past, when there's been plans to electrify the line, for some reason, uh, I remember a few years ago, the Department of Transport decided they were going to stop the um, electrification at Selby, which is outside Hull. It's, you know, down the track. Um, and Hull had to get together with our local, one of our local train operators, Hull Trains, and put together a plan to actually pay privately for that to be electrified. So I'm really pleased now that in these latest plans, Hull is part of that electrification of the line because it's essential that we have that from Liverpool to Hull across the the north in terms of all the great cities of the north need to be included in in northern powerhouse rail so so that's really important for me to get that and to then that allows you to open up opportunities for the people of Hull to think seriously about having a job uh, in in Leeds or in Sheffield, whereas at the moment, I, you know, it's quite a long time. Long time there's journeys to get over to Leeds and um, and Sheffield. So that's that's really important. I think um, I'm just looking at, at my statistics here, and electrifying the route could cut the journey times from Hull to Leeds from 57 minutes to just 38 minutes. And a journey between Hull and Sheffield would be reduced from 86 minutes to 50 minutes. So, you know, there's real opportunity there. And I, I always think I'm always a little bit jealous around the kind of Manchester area because you've got lots of um, opportunities for people to look at jobs in various parts of Manchester because of the, I think, the better connectivity. So that's what I want for Hull, that we're able to think about um, people going to study or, or employment opportunities in the sub-region and, and, and outside the region as well. Um, so, so that's one of the big things. I mean, HS2 is the other big issue that we perhaps haven't talked about. And of course, at the moment for us in Hull, um, it's not directly going to help us. But of course, the idea was um, that the, the whole of the North would benefit. And um, 
So, you know, we obviously have to keep banging the drum in Hull to make sure that, you know, in the later stages of this, that we get um, full consideration around what happens with HS2. What do you hope to see out of that, Paul? And, and how can these kind of um, these policy papers, how can they support and, and, and enable change to, to, to make a difference for left behind neighbourhoods? We've talked around, you know, the, the, the things that we well, we already want to see in rail for the north sort of thing, at least for my bit. I mean, I haven't talked too much, but you know, the, 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 you used the term earlier when you were talking about the south and some of the, the poorer transport about being hori the horizontal lines, if you like, which by obviously you mean east-west rather than north-south. Well, you know, talk that in our part of the world and, you know, particularly for transport for the north, east, west, east, west, east is just horrendous, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we, we've got to be able to do something on that. We've got to be able to make sure that we get the capacity balance right um, and, and, and build a, a, a comprehensive picture. You know, it, it's, it's, it's no good. Um, you know, I've, I've heard said that there's, you know, there's, there's potential risks to, you know, the Newcastle-Manchester uh, linkages because of capacity changes to the East Coast mainline. That's just something that's got to be dealt with and made into a better solution because we can't, you know, we, can, we can't drop one to make another work. We've got to, you know, the, the proverbial rising tide floating all boats sort of thing. It's, 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 it's got to all, um, you know, help us into a, a, a better place. I think it's probably probably worth highlighting that Transport for the North does support the reopening of the Leam side line as part of Northern Parish Rail, so it's something that's, uh, <laughs> that we're here definitely been definitely been Sorry, and the full Leam side line. Yes. Yeah. There, there, there's been some, um, in, in my opinion, nonsensical talk about a Leam side south option, if you like, as it was called, which is just literally a bypass on Durham and doesn't give any of the connectivity, doesn't give the freight um re relief etc etc so i really do hope that that uh, that is dispatched uh, from whence ever it came absolutely well said thank you both so much for joining me today on the podcast so um and paul, so we've been speaking to uh paul howell mp for sedgefield dame diana johnson mp kingston upon hall and of course my colleague stephen smith Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Keep in touch with us over on Twitter for all the daily news and sign up to the All Points North newsletter as well for a weekly dose of transport news in your inbox. I've been your host, Gemma. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.